John chapter 8, starting in verse 12. Jesus spoke to the people again, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me won't walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Then the Pharisees said to him, because you are testifying about yourself, your testimony isn't valid. Jesus replied, even if I testify about myself, my testimony is true, since I know where I come from and where I'm going. You don't know where I come from and where I'm going. You judge according to human standards, but I judge no one. Even if I do judge, my judgment is truthful because I am not alone. My judgments come from me and from the Father who sent me. In your law, it is written that the witnesses of two people is true. I am one witness concerning myself, and the Father who sent me is the other. They asked him, where is your father? Jesus answered, you do not know me, and you do not know my father. If you knew me, you would also know my father. He spoke these words while he was teaching in the temple area known as the treasury. No one arrested him because his time had not yet come. Jesus continued, I am going away. You will look for me and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. The Jewish leader said, he isn't going to kill himself, is he? Is that why he said, where I am going, you cannot come? He said to them, you are from below, I am from above. You are from this world, I am not from this world. This is why I told you that you would die in your sins. If you didn't believe that I am, you will die in your sins. Who are you? They asked. Jesus replied, I am exactly who I have claimed to be from the beginning. I have many things to say in judgment concerning you. The one who sent me is true, and that I have learned from him, I tell the world. They didn't know he was speaking about his father. So Jesus said to them, when the human one is lifted up, then you will know that I am. Then you will know that I do nothing on my own, but I say just what the father has taught me. He who sent me is with me. He doesn't leave me by myself because I always do what makes him happy. While Jesus was saying these things, many people came to believe in him. The word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. All right, John chapter 8. If you haven't got there now, please do. If you don't have your Bible, grab your phone or grab a Bible off the back. But I want to have you engage in this. Now, I told you a couple weeks ago that you'll see this, actually this connection between the last three passages. And I, I told you last week, if you remember on video, because I wasn't here, thanks for that time away, uh, that there was actually a, a real solid reason on why that passage last week fits in where it does, though some translators disagree on where it might fit in. And I'm going to give you that answer before we get going. These are three passages where the religious leaders are challenged about not following their own law. What they were kind of bound to be protectors of the law, 
We notice Nicodemus steps up at the end of chapter 7 and says, Hey, our law doesn't judge somebody without first giving them a hearing. They were ready to stone Jesus. Without first giving them a hearing, our law doesn't allow that. So the religious leaders were ready to move ahead without the law. Then you actually saw this play out last week where a woman was brought, caught in adultery, and they are ready to stone her. She's received no trial, no hearing of any kind, and the guy wasn't even around, which was required in the law as well. And now we get this week this information about testifying and a witness, and there needing to be two witnesses. And so you can see how these three things, kind of with witness and what the law claimed, playing out, and that's why we find that chapter 8, verse 1 through 11, you studied last week, why it is put in the spot it's put in the book of Mark. Remember what I said? If you're confused, it shows up in every manuscript that's ever been found about the book of Mark, but it's actually placed in a few different places. And so that is why we've kind of gravitated towards this. Here's the lesson that comes out, to, out of it before we jump in to this week, and it's this. The Pharisees, if they are going to preach and push and make people live by the law, they better live by it themselves. They better know it themselves. They better be able to not just quote it and, and what they want, but they need to know it through and through. Now, if you were to go back in the book of John, up till now, what we study with those type of lenses on, you would see over and over and over Jesus' argument against the religious leaders is you don't really understand the scriptures. You don't really understand what God is teaching and what he's offering through the scriptures. Over and over and over, that shows up. And listen, if we're not careful, the modern church, us today, present Christians, we can fall into the exact same place where we might push a few things, our own agenda, and try to attach verses to us, but we may not really understand the life and what Jesus came to offer people. So, easy remedy. You know what it is? Read the Bible. Get open God's Word, read it, and know it. To hit a, a Facebook quote every week or so, or a little bit that the pastor says on Sunday, not enough. Open up and read and know God's Word. Circle the things or underline the things that you're like, I have no clue what the writer's talking about there. That's your point of study, right? That's your point of question asking. But we open up and we know the word to avoid this trap. All right, let's jump into this passage. And let me remind you a little bit of context work at the beginning. Jesus said to the people again, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Remember, they're at the festival. It's a festival of booths, a festival of tabernacles. Some scholars even go ahead and call it the festival of light. The reason being that they would have the evening worship services with candles and the courtyard was lit up and that's where they would worship. And Jesus is speaking these words about the light of the world, not in that courtyard, but in the treasury next door, a more darkened area. And he's speaking to a group of people who would likely not be able to attend the worship service for whatever reason. It could be they were just unclean or told they couldn't or whatever the case would be. And Jesus is speaking to them and saying, I'm the light of the world. Contextually, that's really powerful what he's saying. Now, there's always Pharisees around everywhere he goes. In fact, if it's not like the big head honcho Pharisees, 
They are sending their understudies always to, to say, where is Jesus? Keep track of him. We want to know what he's saying. What is he doing? And so everywhere Jesus was, even in places he wasn't welcome, and so he went somewhere else, there would have been some form of religious leaders following Jesus around to know what is he saying. It's like today. If it happens, you're going to know about it. Why? Because everywhere you go, there's a cell phone that can pop up right away, right? And, and it can video. And so these scribes were sent, these Pharisees were sent for this reason, to follow Jesus and to see what was going on with Jesus. And that's what we get. This phrase, I am the light of the world, Jesus is speaking it to people. These Pharisees were hearing it as well. This is the dominant message of John. We've seen it over and over. This is the message John wants to get out. If somebody asks you, hey, what's the gospel of John about? You say, well, it's about Jesus. Yes, but there's more, right? Or if you say, what's well, about Jesus and how much he loves the poor and cares for other people? Yes, he does love people. That's all about Jesus. That, I mean, that's his whole gig, right? But what is John trying to tell you? John himself is trying to let you know Jesus is the light of the world. What does light do? It illuminates. And John has already spoken in ways where he's saying it shines a light to where you need to go and how you can get there. That is Jesus. Remember chapter 1, verse 5, we talked about this already. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not do what? Doesn't overcome it. The darkness does not prevail against the light. Verse 1-7, that everyone would what? Believe in the light. Like there's something to believe in, and John is starting to turn it in chapter 1 to speak about the light coming to earth in the form of Jesus. This is his dominant message. This light that jesus is the light the light illuminates god illuminates the way to god and it's through jesus christ now john nowhere do we understand that john is simply saying now what you need to do is believe in this in the form of just say one quick belief statement and then go on and you live your life the way you want to live your life and you've had your salvation prayer at one moment and you can live out it is so clear that John is speaking about living in the light. I believe and live. It's like the same type of thing that John is saying, this is now the way you should go in Jesus. What he says, well, get on board with it. What he asks you to do, do. What he believes in, believe in. This is the light that is shining the path forward. And so we look at this and we understand it this way. This is not salvation stuff, what he's talking about. If we think of salvation just as a one-time prayer, this is daily life stuff. That's what John is teaching us. Jesus is a new way for you to live, a new way to move forward. We say things like, Jesus is a light in the church world. And is that kind of cliche to hear? Um, sometimes. We think, oh, that's kind of cliche. We hear that over and over. In fact, as Christians, sometimes we hear Jesus is a light, and I mean, we can move right past that with very little amazement, right? Very little wonder in that statement. But the question is, is it a, is it a cliche because it's not true? Or is it a cliche because we've been saying it over and over without understanding the significance and power behind it? And giving ourselves fully over to this way of daily life. 
That's what John's talking about. That's what John is encouraging in why he's writing his gospel. So it makes sense that he includes this in here. Right away, we learn the Pharisees are there, and the Pharisees uh, question him. They say, hey, uh, you're testifying about yourself, so it's not valid. You're just speaking about yourself, so that's not valid. Or maybe you think about it this way. He's saying, look, it's your word against ours. So, you know, what are you going to do with that? Now, that sounds the same as what we see, right? Right? And, and we think in our legal system, or maybe you've seen more legal shows, that kind of thing. Will that hold up in court? It's your word against ours kind of thing. That's what they hit Jesus with. Why? Why is that such a big deal? Well, we actually learn in the law, back in Deuteronomy chapter 17, 6 is one example. It says capital punishment must be decided by what? Two or three witnesses. So if you go to a, a case of that, no one may be executed on the base of only one testimony. So we have this understanding in the law already, in their legal system in the law, two witnesses or three witnesses are really important. Now that's a capital punishment. Let's look at this one. In chapter 19, a solitary witness against somebody in any crime, wrongdoing, or in any sort of misdeed that might be done is not significant. The decision must stand by two or three witnesses. This is part of their system. It's part of their understanding. You need more than one witness. So when they came to Jesus and they said, well, you just testified to yourself. You're your own witness, so it's not valid. Guess what? They're not wrong. They're correct in their system. But they missed something big. And Jesus is about to explain. Jesus goes on and he says, listen, even if my testimony was myself, uh, my testimony is true. Since I know where I came from and I know where I'm going. This isn't the first time he's talked about becoming from the Father and one day going to the Father but not now, because why? He says, my time has not yet, what? Come. It's not yet come yet. We've heard that over and over. But it's going to come. He says, my witness is not my own. But listen to what he keeps saying. You don't know where I come from or where I'm going. Why? Because you judge by human standards. You're only looking at this from human perspective. Over and over, I'm talking to you about my connection with the Father and my teaching and my words being from the Father. And you just see it from human eyes. You can't grasp it all, at all. Even if I judge, my judgment would be truthful because I'm not alone. I'm not judging alone. What's he getting at? My judgment comes to me and from the Father who sent me. Jesus is saying, my witness, my second witness is the Father who is saying the exact same thing that I am saying. It says in your law, it's written, the witness of two people is true. I am one witness concerning myself, and the Father who sent me is another. Jesus is basically prompting them or daring them to say, look, look in the scripture. See if what I'm saying is not exactly what the Father is saying, what God is saying. It's not my own witness. My witness and the Father is one. Listen, if you showed up today and you said, listen, last night, Pastor Tom, the Lord gave me a vision of what we need to start doing. And it was some off-the-ball, wacky thing that no one has ever heard of. And I couldn't verify it with any scripture either, nor any wise counsel. Guess what I might say to you? I don't know. Maybe one too many pieces of pizza last night or something was going on in your system. And 
but it probably wasn't from God. Why? Because the father does not witness to it. Now, that might be a silly story, but you could actually point out over our history, even the history of your lifetime, and see these religious sects that have risen up and even been tragedies at the end of them, where often if somebody had said, what is the witness of the father? It wouldn't be found, and it could have been dissolved. Jesus said, look, my, the father's my witness. Check it out. See. My witness is not my own. The father and I witness together. Here's what Jesus is saying. Everything I say to you, what I do, it is validated by the Father. It's validated. I'm not speaking it on my own. Check it out. Ask the Father. Find out. Look in your scriptures. See. The Father validates it. That's what Jesus is understanding. Listen, you have to, be, you have to understand how infuriating this statement would be to the religious leaders. That he is saying, look... My father, that bothered them already, that he was calling God his father, that my father validates, says yes, lifts up what I'm saying, what I am saying. That's exactly what Jesus is saying to them. Here's a question for you. Does your witness, is it validated by the father? The witness of your life, is it validated by the father? Now, many or maybe most in this room, you're Christians. You call yourself Christians. You've had a moment where you decided to follow Jesus, right? So ask yourself how you live your life day in, day out, what you do, what you talk about, what's important to you, where your priorities are, all these type of things. Is your witness validated by the Father? That's where, that's where we start. We look and we say, God, Father, what, what are you what do you want me to do? How do you want me to live? What do you want me to be? We want you to validate me. And there's been times in my life over the last 30 plus years of being a Christian where I had to stop and God got my attention. And basically what he was saying is, Tom, I don't validate what you're doing, where you're going, what you're thinking. Get back in touch with me. Let's walk together as a team in this with me leading and saying, this is what I'm about and this is what I've sent you to say and to do. When you take Jesus and declare him as the center of your political party, is God validating your witness? If you say, hey, I don't give to the poor because I don't know what they're going to do with this, is God validating that witness? I should start this or I should stop this. I think God, is God validating that start or that stop? I just can't forgive that person. Is God validating that witness? I just think somebody else will probably share Jesus with them. I feel awkward doing it. Is God validating that witness? And on and on and on. An important question that we ask, because Jesus says, it is, it's, I'm not just not talking on my own. The Father validates what I say. Well, it goes on in this passage down in 21, and I realize as we're going, there are so many little things I have to skip over, or else we would be here a long time today. Um, and I, I know you probably don't want that. So 21, Jesus continued. He says, look, I'm going away. You'll look for me, but, but you'll die in your sin. Now, not the first time he says I'm going away. 
Uh, we've seen that a couple times before and talked about that. But he adds in a little phrase here. You might have just caught it. And you will die in your sins, he throws in uh, this time. That's a, you know, that's an eye-opener there. That's a, a say what now, Jesus? Um, it's the Pharisees who have been declaring who sins and who doesn't sin. And now Jesus is turning to the Pharisees, the ones who have declared sin, and he is saying, you will die in your sin. That's pretty powerful. I'm sure those were fighting words uh, for the Pharisees. I think they're a little confused about what he means because they say, uh, is he just, is he going to kill himself? I mean, they're focused on the leaving part. Is he, is it got to him? What, we're very confused is what they're saying here. Where am I going? You can't go. Jesus then continues. He says, look, you're from below. I'm from above. You're from earth here. Look, I come from the Father. I come here. More frustrating words from Jesus for in their ears. You're from this world. I'm not from this world. This is why I told you that you'll die in your sins. If you don't believe I am, you'll die in your sins. So let's, let's get this and let's talk about this. Because um, if you grew up in youth group in the years I grew up in youth group, right? Somewhere around late 80s. Anybody in here, you started youth group in the late? <laughs> funny, funny. Oh. Uh, anybody? No, just me? Youth group in the late 80s? Yeah. yeah? Okay. All right. A couple of you old-timers, too, like me. So, all right. We're getting there. So, we, we thought of what was sin. Like, what was sin in our youth group programs when we talked about it? It was sex. It was drugs. It was rock and roll. Remember we had the CD? or well, We didn't have CD. We had cassette burning parties, you know, where, you know, you'd bring your secular cassettes and you'd burn them in the bonfire and those type of things so here's the danger when we say or when jesus says you'll die in your sins our immediate thought sometimes is what is my list what's my list of three or four or five things right what are those behavioral things that somebody is doing that i'd say oh well they're sinning their actions are sinning so they're going to hell that's how i would interpret this but what have we learned up till now that john is talking about when he says you'll die in your sin here, what is he talking about here? Well, let's, let's look first at this and understand this. Jesus can go, can and will go to the Father. Jesus has this access of going back and forth with the Father. He's already declared, I'm going to the Father. It's happening. I'm going. So Jesus has this access of going back. What we understand is there's no separation with Jesus and the Father. Jesus is there to do what the Father wants him to do. The Father validates what Jesus is doing. There is this connection and there's no separation there. But he says, unless you believe, unless you believe, you'll die in your sins. What, is Jesus talk, what did John talk about before? Sin is separation. That's what it is. We talked about the word harmatia, how it means miss the mark. You aim at the, the, aim the arrow, the arrow misses, and you miss the mark, that sin. But that the key is that there's a separation between where arrow lands and where target was. And it's that separation that Jesus is sent to eliminate, that you can now be one with God. The Pharisees are saying, look, you're separated. It's just your lot in life. We are the are pious ones. We hit the mark, but you have not. And Jesus comes and says, God offers this to everyone. 
this way. God offers a way to bridge the gap and the separation that you might know God, that you are in favor with God, that that's why Jesus came. And so that's what Jesus is referring to here, not just simply a list of behaviors. Those might fall in there too, but it's greater than that. He is saying, unless you believe Jesus is the way to the Father, you are going to die in sins or you're going to die in separation from God. You're going to die without connection, without relationship with God. Jesus said, that's the reason I came, to bridge that gap for you. It's the reason God sent me, to eliminate that separation for everyone. And who's he telling this to? Religious leaders. You're separated. Listen, Christians, you need to hear that. Because there are times where we walk around as Christians where because we have a Christian testimony in the sense of I said a prayer once, because I go to church, because I do some good stuff, we think, man, I'm right there meshed with God. And Jesus is saying, listen, remember, I'm still the way. It's me that's still the way. You still come to the Father and understand the Father through me. I'm the light. And so for you and myself as a believer, we'd ask the question of, Am I getting up daily and saying, Jesus, you're the way? In fact, I would say it this way. Is your witness that Jesus is the only way? Is your witness Jesus is the only way? How you live out your days, what you talk about, what's your priority, is your witness that Jesus, Jesus is the only way? That's what Jesus is saying. In fact, this is what we have to wrestle with. It is not that I, as your pastor, or maybe you as a Christian, are declaring that Jesus is the only way and there's all these other attempts and religions and spiritualities that people use. What we have to wrestle with is it's Jesus himself that says it over and over in the Gospels. And so we have to wrestle with what is Jesus getting at? Well, this passage is telling us there is one way to the Father, and Jesus is that way. And he's speaking it even to the most pious in their eyes of religious leaders. Well, here at the end, uh, verse 25, Jesus gets even further. And I'll, I know there's a little bit skip there, but I'll let you get that this week in your devotions. Verse 25 uh, in John chapter 8, where Jesus picks up, I'm exactly who I'm claimed to be from the beginning. I have many things to say in judgment concerning you. Check what he's saying there. I said, he said, I got a lot of things I want to say in judgment concerning you. Um, but this isn't the time. The one who sent me is true. And what I have heard from him, I tell the world. Now, that's a big word there that you might read through and go like, what's the big deal? I tell the world. Jesus is declaring in a simple statement, this is for everyone. I'm telling everyone this. They didn't know he was speaking about the Father. So then Jesus says, when the human one, when Jesus is lifted up, and we talked about that last week, then you'll know that I am. Twice now in this passage, he's actually using a phrase that is reserved for God. This phrase, I am. And he's using it. Would not have been lost on the, on the religious leaders. They would have knew exactly what he was trying to say. Then you'll know that I am nothing on my own, 
but that I'm just what the I am just what the Father has taught me. So he brings it back to saying the Father is teaching me. The Father sent Jesus to share this testimony. The Father sent me to tell you this today. Have you ever done that in your family, where, you know, mom, dad, you gone in the room and said, "Listen, your mom told me to come tell you this," and then you you. I don't know, maybe your dynamic works that way. But Jesus is, in a real way, saying, the Father has told me to come tell you this, to witness to this, and to share you this. And then he says, this is for everyone to believe in. It's for everyone. The religious leader is like, no, we decide. We are the ones who are going to say who is worthy, who's in favor, and who has the blessing of God. And Jesus says, forget you. It's everyone. I'm telling this to everyone. And now go back to the context and the setting of Jesus being with people in an area where they probably are not allowed to go into the worship service. And it's with that group of people. He started this passage in the first place. I am the light of the world. It is for everyone. So the question for you is, do you believe that Jesus is the light of the world? Don't be too quick to say yes. Ask yourself, in, in your life, do you believe Jesus is the light of the world? Do you believe that his way is the way? That he speaks on behalf of the Father and that if we want to be right with God and know God, that our understanding comes through Jesus in every way, in every form. Do you believe that Jesus is the light? And then maybe get it more personal. Does your witness testify that Jesus is the light? Your witness, day in and day out, what you do, what you say, what's priority, what do we spend our money on, what do we spend our time on, what do we wake up in the first thing we do in the morning, on and on and on the question, does your witness testify that Jesus is the Christ? I don't know about you, but I have a lot of people in my life who don't know Jesus. Do you? Probably. And I have a desire and a passion. I think you know this. And if you don't have this, this is what I'm praying on you, to see them come to know Jesus Christ. And I recognize that if my witness is not validated by the Father, that it's not in line with Jesus, what hope do I really have of them coming to know Jesus? So it starts with being in line here. Well, let's pray, and I want to give you just a moment to kind of do some of your, your own talk and business with God. So let me start the prayer, and then I'm going to turn it over to you. Father, Lord, I want to be validated by you. I think as Christians, we want that. We get sidetracked. We get lost for a little while. We get going in our own agendas. And sometimes you just need to quiet us, and we need to ask and evaluate. Does my witness line up with you? Would you validate this witness? So if there be anything for you, that this would be a moment to just talk to God. It may be a moment to say, Lord, forgive me for, for this or getting off on this track. Lord, line, realign me with you. However you want to say it with the Lord, I'll just give you a moment to go before him.
So, Father, now in those prayers, there's a spiritual connection. And that's significant. There might be a changing of the heart, or mind, or thought. Father, these always work themselves out into action as well. So would you lead us forward with that renewed thinking, change of heart, minds, refocus, whatever we would call it this morning. And would you help put it into action now, even with the first step away from our chair. We pray in your son's name. Amen. All right. Well, I know there was a lot in that passage, and there will be next week because there's a lot of verses to finish off chapter 8. So good one for you in your devotion times this morning. Wake up. You could just say, hey, I'm just going to wake up and read chapter 8 every day if that's what you had time to do. Even reading the scripture over and over I think would be a powerful devotional time.